Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain and I am on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. I created this podcast to give a voice to passionate small and medium entrepreneurs around the world. I hope that the stories, practical tips and advice my guests share will inspire you to better navigate your own entrepreneurship journey. Hi, thank you for joining Interviews. Today I am with Anita Toth, Customer Redemption and Churn Consultant based in Canada. Hello, Anita. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Laurent. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm really? doing really well. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your journey. My journey, uh, my journey kind of is all over the place, which for entrepreneurs just starting out or, or people who are at a point where they're not sure if this is meant for them, let me tell you, in a four and a half year period of time, I can't believe all the different things I've done to finally land where I am today doing something I absolutely love. So I will give you the condensed version of it, but <laughs> long story short, this is not where I plan to be. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. So uh, four and a half years ago, I was working as a research coordinator at a um, university research institute. Loved my job, had been there for 14 years, mm. but I knew the government had clawed back uh, money for research. No surprise. We were struggling. We were struggling to get our projects approved. And uh, sure enough, you know, it was, all, I think it was actually five years ago today, now oh, that wow. I'm thinking about it, when they marched me into the little room and we had the two minute meeting of, well, we don't need your services anymore. But because I'd been there for so long and we were a unionized environment, my final day of work would be December 23rd. Mm. So um, in that period of time, I applied for 23 jobs and I couldn't find anything. Now, when you're in research at a university, you don't deal with the student side. So, you know, that's where the jobs are available. And guess what? Nobody wanted me because I had never worked with the students before. I was always mm -hmm. just in research. So I applied for all these 23 jobs come December 5th. And I'm like, you know what? It is not looking like I'm going to get a job anywhere. So I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. And that is start my own business. Uh, not sure what to do. So what do you do? You go online, you Google it and you go, Hmm, what can I do as an online business? And there was a uh, particular uh, brand that popped up. I don't know how I found them, but I was like, well, this sounds interesting. It was around the whole kill your nine to five job. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, become independent and financially free. So I did my research. I couldn't find any bad reviews on them. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds like it's a good, good thing. So I took a call and uh, jumped in. Holy heck. Um, I didn't realize what high pressure sales were, or mm. at least I wasn't conscious of what it was. And so I ended up in this lead gen program or lead generation program. And essentially what we would do is rank websites for common things like carpet cleaning or tree care. And then we would sell the leads to, you know, the second, third, fourth, fifth companies on Google. Because number one, number two usually are doing pretty well, but it's the mm -hmm. ones that are down the search engine results page that aren't doing so well. And, um, Six months in, I was doing very well and I hated it. <laughs> I 
hated it. I was like, I don't like building these sites. I'm not a creative person. Um, so I was hustling and I was like, you know what? I'm out of this. So I yeah. sold it uh, to someone who was very grateful for, for my, the assets I had created. And then I came across this guy who's like, hey, be an online consultant. And I'm like, perfect. So I'll be an online consultant. And I took his course and now I understand again, hindsight's 2020, the webinar I watched had no substance to it at all. And if I had done the numbers, I would have figured out that this guy really isn't his um, legit, let's say, right. as he claims to be. And it was supposed to be, you know, earn a six-figure, seven-figure business, one of the two, mm -hmm. in a short period of time. That's, that's all, I, all I have to say. You've seen these guys. Unfortunately, he's grown quite big. Um, he's a multimillionaire now, I, selling this dream to all of these people. And... Um, I got into that and the suggestion there was to uh, run Facebook ads as part of your offering to help your clients out. And I thought, well, I went through his Facebook training and I could tell he really didn't know what he was doing. So I was like, you mm. know, what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to just do this. I'm going to learn about Facebook ads. So I got into a Facebook ad agency and um, started running my own Facebook ads for dentists. Okay, right. let me tell you, highly competitive. <laughs> I had no idea. And um, I, I, I loved Facebook ads and marketing. It was exciting, very tactical. At that time, um, Facebook was just releasing video. Like, mm. like, you think about it now and you're like, what? Like, we, we've always been used to it. But five years ago, Facebook video ads were brand new. So this was like, oh, what can we do? It, it was really exciting. But um, at that time, we were still using Power Editor. There were no, no ways to limit, you know, your budget, your ad spend, all of that. So it felt like it, I had a, a toddler. For anybody who's a parent and know what a toddler's like, honestly, you turn your back for one second and they're, they're into such trouble. And that's what it felt like. And I was like, I can't, I can't keep up with this. So I closed my Facebook ad agency and I decided to just do digital marketing for coaches and consultants. Built a course. I beta tested the course. People really loved it. So I built out the full course and then I couldn't sell it. Right. And I was like, oh man, like now what? I've done all this work. I've done all this energy. Now you got to bear in mind as I'm going through all of these changes, the one thing I'm doing is learning new skills. Mm -hmm. So I learned about marketing. I learned about sales. I learned about high pressure sales. Oh yeah. That's what that was happening way back when I first started uh, with, with that, you know, nine to five job killing thing. So um, I got to learn new skill sets. And after a, a year of trying to, um, help coaches and consultants with digital marketing. I knew I'd hit an all-time low. Are you ready for this? I'm speaking with a woman whose business is failing mm. and she is hemming and hawing over whether she, she should spend $49 a month to enroll in my course that would help her grow her business. And I was like, if I am hustling and having to beg people to pay me $49 mm. a month, this is, no, 
this is wrong. And you know how deep in your gut sometimes you know, like I did all the right things. I beta tested. I, you know, built the course out on proper platforms. I used to teach at the university. So I know what I'm doing for courses and how to structure them and how to make sure people get value, but are also very much learning. And so, um, so a year ago, a little over a year ago now, I shut that business down. Full yeah. stop. Shut it down. And I was like, well, what can I do? So the year before, while I was building this digital marketing business, um, uh, a friend of mine and I um, were building a SaaS product, so software as a service product, so an app, essentially, Mm -hmm. on another friend's AI platform. And I learned about churn, and I learned about why churn is so vital for Um, subscription-based businesses or SaaS-based businesses, any business where you're selling something month over month over month. Because what churn is, is when people leave, they stop being your customer. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very painful because to acquire a new customer costs six to seven times more. Six to seven times more. Six to seven times more. Because you got to think, you are not only spending the money usually in marketing, So even if you're not doing marketing, let's say Mm. you're just doing SEO, well, Mm. or podcasts or different things like this that are cheap, you're still, who's paying for your time? Right? Mm -hmm. So people just think that it's like, oh, well, it's ad spend. Yes, ad spend's a part of getting, acquiring a new customer, but you still have to convert them too. Mm -hmm. There's sales calls. There's lead magnets. There's all those other things that you're using that need to be built in. So it costs six or seven times more to acquire a new customer than it does to retain a customer you have. And the other thing about having a customer and keeping them is you increase lifetime value because Mm -hmm. you can upsell them. You can cross sell them into other products. And if they really like you, they will start doing positive word of mouth marketing for you. Right. Yes. So now they're bringing in referrals and other people just through their networks that those are harder to quantify. In fact, they're often never quantified. So we just look at the one thing, which is, well, how much does it cost to acquire them? Let's look at ads. Okay. That's a small slice of it. So I realized there was a big problem here. Mm. And with my skill set, having done those 14 years as a research coordinator, I could help companies learn what was causing their churn problem. Because customers just don't leave for one reason. There's Mm. often a whole host of reasons. And it's discovering what those reasons are. Just think back to like the last time, let's, the, almost every one of us has, has used some piece of software recently from mm-hmm. Zoom to Dropbox to whatever. If you're in business, you're, you're using some sort of SaaS product, a calendar, whatever, G Suite, all of it. Um, how many times have you been unhappy with it? Either because it doesn't function the way you want, it's not helping you reach a goal that you have. Or even just like you call into support or, or contact support, and it's a really crappy experience. You add mm-hmm. enough of those up, and then you're like, hey, there's a competitor over there that pretty much does exactly the same thing. It wouldn't be a big deal to switch my system over from what I'm currently using to that one. That's what I'm going to do. And so customers leave. And that is so 
not only are you losing all that money you spent in acquiring them, but now the word of mouth, the referrals, all of that, the opportunity to upsell them and cross-sell them, that goes too. Is it what trend is about then? It Make is. sure that customers don't leave. And find You've got it. And finding ways to bring them back or just you can't bring them back. You just want to make them sure they don't leave. You've got it. So right. it's, it's the, it's the first one or the second mm. one you want to make, you want to retain them as long as possible right. because you think about it when people have left, it's, it's similar to when, when you leave any sort of relationship, because this is a business relationship. It's often not as same uh, emotions involved as let's say a love relationship or a friendship, but um, you tend to, once you walk away, you tend to just want to walk away. You tend not to want to come back. So occasionally you might be able to, to get people to come back, especially like for newer businesses where uh, their product isn't fully developed yet. And maybe there was a critical feature that they wanted that um, they, they really needed. So they had to go to your competitor. Well, when the time comes, you've got that feature fully developed. It's been launched you can reach back out to those folks and say, Hey, we've got this. Would you be interested in coming back? And mm -hmm. some of them just might, but on the whole, once people quit a business, they quit. That is it. They they're done. They're not interested in going back. And so the job of, of, and this is for any business, you want to retain the customers you have. So how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, good question. You got another hour? Got half a day? No, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can give you some like uh some sort of big bigger things to do. The first thing to do is listen. Mm -hmm. This is customer feedback. Now, customer feedback, usually people think it's just surveys like uh, net promoter score NPS, or I work with customer success teams. So it might be uh, customer satisfaction surveys. Those are great, but surveys are, are wonderful for when you want to reach a lot of people, but mm. you're not going very deep. So you're just getting some general trends, um, which again, have their value. The biggest thing, and it, yes, it's, it's challenging to do, and a lot of people just don't want to do it, but I'm going to give you an example. Uh, one of the companies I follow, <clears throat> they just did a brand new product launch. So this is their premium product they just launched in the last month. The founder or the co-founder of the company reached out to 100 customers mm -hmm. and interviewed them all. And he said that in those hundred interviews, he learned way more than all the heat maps, the Google analytics, the every other type of analytics or data they're collecting. He learned more in those interviews. And the reason is you can look at the heat maps and you can see where people are clicking and, and you know, where they're hovering and, and where they're not or, or what features they're using. The challenge is you don't know why. Mm. Is it because of your, your user interface? Is that, that why they're clicking there? Because they don't really know where else to click? Or is it because the user interface is so great that that's the next logical place for them to go? Like you right. don't know. So you have to ask. And that means doing interviews. Um, someone else I was listening to the other day, he just became a chief customer officer. 
mm-hmm. for a big company. Uh, their company was acquired and now they're putting him into the role of the bigger company. And his goal is 50 customer interviews over the next month so he can really learn what their challenges are, how they think, why they chose the product, why they choose to stay, mm-hmm. right? Um, how they describe the product uh, or the, and or their experience. I should also say their experience. So he is just, he's doing all of these calls himself so he right. can get a really good understanding. And it's like, so the next question you might ask me, Laurent, is, well, why bother? Well, what you do is you take all of that information, you change your product or your services so that it aligns with those customer outcomes. But the bigger thing is you take that info and you put it back in your marketing. Mm -hmm. So you can speak directly to what their challenges are. You can use unique language. It's often surprising how customers will describe their problem very differently than you do (laughs) as the business provider. So, um, you put it into your marketing and suddenly in, instead of, you know, you can reduce, I've seen people reduce their customer acquisition costs by 25% or more mm. just by having relied on those customer interviews to give them those exact pain points so they can better tune, tune their marketing. So we're really so, talking about putting the customers at the center of everything like concretely. <laughs> Could it be more concrete than that? Yeah. But it's, it's, harder to do and the reason is you know and and i it's nobody's fault for this um marketing and sales have become um they've been around for hundreds of years but customer retention and customer focus is relatively new Mm. so people don't really know how to do it right you can go out how many like right now if you were to google best marketing something or other Oh my God, you're going to have like hundreds or thousands of different companies that provide that. Same with sales or sales training or sales Mm. playbooks or all of that. Um, But how to become customer focused, this is a new concept Mm. and how to retain customers longer. Some businesses have been doing it all along, but on the whole, as a big movement, it's relatively new. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Like, how do I start putting my customers at the center? And it's by listening. It's by getting that customer feedback. Amazing. Fascinating. Uh, we're limited by time. I would love to hear, to hear you talk about <laughs> it a bit more. But let's, let's go back to your, uh, your own journey. Mm-hmm. You said that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you waited for 14 years before you became an entrepreneur why i actually didn't there's one part of the story Ah. (laughs) (laughs) and that is all the side hustles i had while those 14 years were going on right so i created signs for uh, my daughters at the time they were young and i was cycling with them in those they they had those little trailers that you pull behind um a bicycle and I was out in traffic. So I made little signs that said like, Hey, there's people inside here (laughs) when you're zooming by me, not a cart full of groceries. So then I thought of selling that. And then there were these cleaning products I got into that one. That one didn't go very far at all. Um, then, uh, Oh geez, there's one other one. I don't know. 
something else in there. Let's throw that. But the biggest was I had a friend who bought a custom shoe printing business. So think of your, your high top converse. Mm -hmm. They had a 3d printer and we could take anything. So photographs, artwork, like whatever designs you wanted, and we could print them custom on the shoes. Nice. And, uh, it was a great idea, but him and his wife got involved. They had no idea what they were doing. They didn't know who their market was. And I was a little bored at the time. So things were very quiet at my job. So I would ask all these questions and I found out more and more like, well, why aren't you guys doing this? And why aren't you guys doing that? So long story short, I call it my uh, four month, $30,000 practical MBA. In other words, in four months' time, I I uh, I invested thirty thousand in this business, okay. <laughs> but I learned so much, and that's where I realized they they had no idea who their ideal customers were. Mm. I learned about marketing. I learned about selling. I learned about how to hire. And one of my first hires was my nephew, who was eighteen years old. And, uh, you know, three weeks later, I had to fire him. And mm. it was a tough conversation to have, but it was very obvious um, he was not a good fit for the business. I'll just put it this way. He had one crappy attitude <laughs> that I was <laughs> not putting up with. Right. So I wanted people who were eager um, to be there and would help the company grow. But by the time I came in, that business was burning so badly and there was no runway left. Like I tried, like, so when you're just throwing money like that, 30,000 mm. in four months and it didn't make a dent, um, that business was doomed to fail and it did. But what it did was ignite that spark that became this business once I was laid off. Right. So um, I always had those little side hustles mm. and then I had that opportunity. Um, I think I worked, the, yeah, it was four months long that I was involved in that, but it was like evenings, weekends. I didn't have a life. My kids would come. I dragged them into that shoe store and, but it was wonderful. The other thing that I learned, it, we got on TV. I was on um, our local media mm -hmm. several times, which was wonderful. So I learned to, to deal with the media. There was a lot I learned in that four month period, but the biggest was you got to know who your customers are. And we didn't. Hmm. I agree. I agree with that. The idea you mentioned the ideal client profile. That is some, some of the work I do with my, with my clients. So you failed several times. <laughs> no, I do not see them as failures. Okay. I see them as successes because it brought me to where I am today. So that's why even like, uh, so like those two who, are, who own the shoe store, they were like, we'll never go into business again. Mm. And I mean, it really put a lot of pressure on their marriage. Their marriage broke down shortly after that. Like it was, it was awful. Um, for them, for me, I, I never viewed it as a, a failure. That's why I call it my, you know, four month, $30,000 MBA. I feel mm. like I learned so much that it prepped me for, for what I'm doing today. So yeah, I don't see them as failures. So entrepreneurship is having the right mindset then. I think a lot of it is mm. because humans, we don't know what we want. We know what we, we define what we want by bumping against what we don't want. So 
you know, Steve Jobs has that famous saying, if you, or sorry, Henry Ford, if you had asked people, you know, what they wanted when he was inventing the car, they would have said faster horses, <laughs> right? Sure. Yes. <laughs> because they, we don't know. So the only way I got here was by, you know, trying that, that brick and mortar business. Well, that didn't work. And trying like that sign business on the back of the little bike trailers for the kids, that didn't work. And then, I, wow, it really sounds like I've gotten into a lot, but I did. The lead gen, I realized I didn't like that. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do the Facebook ad agency and the digital marketing business. Well, that was just, that was nuts to finally get to where I am today. But I feel like, you remember those, I don't know, like it depends on, depends on how old your audience is here. Remember pinball? Mm -hmm. Like the old school pinball machines and the things yeah. bouncing back and forth before yeah. it finally gets to its ultimate destination. That's what it feels like. It feels like I had to bump against this and go, no, that's not it. And then I get pushed over that way and I'm trying this and that's not it. But eventually I reach my destination. So you are you sure this is your final destination? Oh, absolutely. It was like a, with the other things I always kind of felt Laurent, like my fingers were crossed, like I hope this works. Mm. That was always my gut feeling. When I put together this business to help with customer retention or, or churn and consulted in that, it's building on a heavy skill set that I've had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about it. And it fits with my interests. I'm interested in SaaS. So all of them came together and I realized like if, you know, when you come home after a long vacation and you're happy to be home, that's what it felt like. And that's when I knew I finally have the right pieces because each of those other businesses had one or maybe two elements, mm -hmm. but it never felt like a, a full and proper fit. Hmm. That's beautiful. I like it. Yeah. What do you want to take the business then? What's the dream? So my goal, I have a mentor that I'm really following. Um, and he's, he's quite well known. His name is Simon Sinek. Mm -hmm. He does the start with why, or he had that Ted talk on yep. the golden circle. Um, I want to be like him. And so what does that mean? Well, Simon is uh, very passionate about what he does. Mm -hmm. The other thing is um, he also has theories. So there's an academic component. I've seen a lot of people, you know, get books in the New York Times bestseller list and whatever. And there's, it's just, hmm, how do I describe it? There's no theory. There's no really, no true thought leadership. Right. They call themselves thought leaders, but they're not. They're not really pushing boundaries. I also have a degree in philosophy. And so Simon's work very much speaks to me because of the frameworks he develops. I am mm -hmm. have an extent. If you want to go look down my LinkedIn, God, I got, what, 27 publications or something like that. But they're all academic. Mm -hmm. So for me, I want to be able to um, bring that in. But around, so Simon deals with leadership. I want to deal with uh, customer experience. Because customer retention, the bigger thing is customer experience. Now, in the SaaS world, um, like even five years ago, you needed to know how to code. You needed to have often, it was very hard to bootstrap the companies. You could, um, but most companies had some sort of funding, whether it was you know pre-seed funding or angel investment, whatever. Uh, but now, like almost anybody, 
can, can mm. build a SaaS without any coding, without any experience. And there's so much funding available that a lot of them, there's still a fair number of bootstrapped, but you don't have to. There's so many options available. So what this means, and I'll give you an example. So in the marketing technology SaaS space, so marketing technology is your email autoresponders. It's your uh, any anything to do to do with marketing. Really, uh, that seems to be the the bigger chunk of it. In 2011, there were 150 SaaS uh, MarTech companies, marketing technology companies, one five zero. Mm-hmm. By 2019, there were over 7,000. Oh, wow. So products and features are pretty much now the same, mm-hmm. which means your switching costs are low. Like I said, you know, you're not happy with your company. You look to, you know, any of their 5, 10, 15 competitors and you go, geez, they're pretty much all the same for products and features. They're not that much different. So I can just easily switch over. So it is no longer price. It is no longer your products and features that are defining uh, whether a business is successful. Starting now and going forward, it's going to be customer experience. The companies that give, like you talked about, that, that customer focused mm-hmm. and they genuinely and truly are in everything they do, those are the ones that are going to succeed moving forward. I see that in the SaaS space, but I'm also starting to see it um, outside SaaS in more traditional companies because a lot of them are moving now to a subscription-based model. Mm-hmm. With COVID happening, um, a lot of companies struggled with, um, with their sales pipelines drying up, but companies uh, that were SaaS and charging on a monthly model did far better in terms of customer retention than uh, those, other, those other more traditional companies. So they're starting, and these are big, huge, you know, Fortune, Fortune 100 companies are now bringing a subscription, a lot of them are looking to bring a subscription model into their, their overall business model as a, as a more stable revenue stream. So that means customer experience just becomes more important. Do you think this is going to apply to every industry? Even coaching, even coaching, for example, which requires a lot of, you know, face-to-face interaction still. I think so. I think so. I think we're going to see a change as time goes on. Like the whole coaching thing, people could come in with zero skills. And I mean, I I didn't have a whole lot of skills either. And I learned Mm. and I built myself. But I think you're going to find that those days where coaches could, you know, you know, the gurus we see today, mm. a lot of them built their businesses because ads were cheap, particularly Facebook ads were cheap and they could run that webinar model. And um, yeah, it, it didn't cost them much, but now, oh, it's been, the Facebook ad stock has been maxed out for years now. CAC is really, or customer acquisition costs are really high. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, I think so. I think we're going to start seeing as we get more players in that it's going to be the same thing around customer experience. And customer experience also means outcomes. Are they actually achieving the outcomes you promise? So going way back when in my own story to that consulting guy, his webinar said, you know, whatever, become six or seven figure business, whatever. So in his webinar, he showed his six people who he helped become millionaires. Yeah. When I got into his Facebook group, do you know how many people were in that group? 
I would say hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. Close. There was over 2,200. Oh, wow. And out of 2,200 people, his promise was to make you six and seven figure business owners. Um, there were only seven out of 2,200 wow. that actually hit the outcome that he was promising. And so he's now pivoted and, and whatever. I don't know. I don't like following the guy, so I don't really want to know what he's up to. But um, it really says a lot that at, at that time you had so many people coming online and this was a, a new way of building a business. And you didn't, again, like the, the bar to entry was so low. Mm. I just essentially have to build a business and make webinars and help you know, have some sort of outcome, but people want more than just some sort of outcome. They want the outcome you promised. And I think as time goes on, yes, that customer experience, even in the coaching and consulting space will start playing a bigger role. Um, because people realize like they can just go to somebody else very easily. Knowing everything that you know now, mm -hmm. is there anything you would have done differently? Oh my God. So I heard this one saying way back in the beginning, Ooh, and it has become so true. Mm. Um, entrepreneurs run out of one of two things, time or money. And I didn't understand it when I was first starting <laughs> because I was like, Oh, I've got this guy's program. I'm going to be a millionaire in six months, you know, at worst 18 months, you know, and I really believed it because that was the hype. That was what right. I was being sold. And, and I didn't have anything to refer to, you know, so I have a master's degree. I worked in academia. I taught, um, I have all these publications. I'm not stupid, but boy, oh boy, did I put my critical thinking on hold once I got on the online world. And I've spoken with several well-educated people. Mm -hmm. Like we all did it. We all kind of went, wow, this must be true. Some, you know, young guy, 24 years old is telling me it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, look at all his millions in his private jet. Um, so anyway, um, that is the thing. It took far longer than I thought it would and cost more money than I thought it would. And so that would be it that I really, I would tell myself to follow my, though, that, that those gut feelings and, and start bringing a critical eye, not only to what interests me, but also who I'm following. So now I use those people as litmus tests, those mm -hmm. companies and those gurus that I bought into that if I'm looking for a new mentor or a new coach if they mentioned that they were coached by these people, uh -uh. like uh, that's not the type of person that I want anymore. So that would, that's it. Like really that saying is true. I have just managed, I had to go to the bank of my dad, you know, mm. <laughs> several times on this journey. He has a pension. He's 82 years old. There's nothing worse than saying, dad, can I borrow, you know, five five figures off of you can yeah. I borrow you know five ten thousand dollars to make it through because I mm. thought by now things would be better than they are it was very humbling and very difficult to do so um I would really say take heed of that it'll probably take twice as long as you think it does and cost at least twice if not three times as much 
So that would be your main recommendation? It would. Wow. Right. I heard it all those. Yeah, I, I scoffed at it. I was like, no, <laughs> this program, I'll be fine. No, no. Oh my God. No, not even close. All right. How can people contact you? So uh, you can contact me. There's two ways. So my website is anitatoff.ca. So uh, you can go to my website. So what I have there, and even though I work specifically with B2B SaaS companies, I have an ultimate guide cut to customer feedback, mm -hmm. including the types of questions you can ask. So that's there. No email required. You just go and download it. It's all yours. Um, I don't gate any of my content the other places on LinkedIn. And I'm very happy. Please uh, reach out, mention you heard this uh, podcast and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to have more people in my network. Great. Thank you very much, Anita, for your time. You're welcome. Thanks very much, Laurel. And thank you all for listening. If you have any questions for my guest or for myself, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, Send an email to contact at laurentnotin.com or reach out on LinkedIn. See you next time. Bye-bye.